Okay, so guys, Amelie Hooper is going to be starting this series off for us, which we're very, very excited about. So give her a hand and welcome her. All right. Thanks, Pastor Tim. All right. Well, let's see. As I was preparing for um, this whole series, um, it's actually funny because Rabbit, um, our tech guy, asked me yesterday, he said, hey, I need a title for this. And I thought, a title? I don't I don't do titles. You can figure that one out. But then I thought, no, 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 this is important. I should figure this out. And it actually caused me to have to focus on what we're doing over the next six, seven weeks and condense it into two words. And that helped me because then I can best communicate to you what this entire series is about. And this series, Experiencing God, is my prayer for you. It's been my yearning, my hunger, my desire experiencing God. Because if you have the foundational information about the spiritual gifts, that's a help. But more importantly, I want you to experience, to have that touch from the Holy Spirit. It's the, if I asked you a question, have you ever sneezed? You'd kind of laugh at me and go, well, yeah. It's because you know that you've experienced that, right? It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. You know that you know that you know that you've had a tangible touch from the Holy Spirit. So condensing all of that into two words, this series, Experiencing God, is my prayer for you. So I want to open up in in prayer for that, for all of you, for myself as well. So in Jesus' name, God, we yield ourselves before you. We put our hope and our trust in you. God, I pray that you would guide us, direct us. And Lord, even right now that we would lay down our expectations, we would lay down our agendas, and we would open ourselves up to however you want to move. And then God, this word that I got for the last couple weeks has been that we would be surprised by your spirit. And as we are surprised by you, God, we get to meet you the way that you want to meet us. So we yield ourselves, we surrender ourselves to you, to your way, to your will. And especially, God, I just want to get out of the way. Nobody wants my opinion. They want to hear from you. So, God, just, I just pray that you would use me as a mouthpiece. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, as I was preparing a couple weeks ago, I um, asked the Lord. It was one Sunday evening, and he... He didn't answer me right away, but I ended up going to sleep that night, and I had a series of dreams. It was actually one dream. It was about 10 seconds long, and I had it over and over and over and over on that Sunday night. So I was preaching in this room, standing on this stage in this room, and I was preaching to you. I don't know what I said, except that the overall message was I was telling you who the Holy Spirit was. When I woke up, I had this this these words, these sentences running through my head, and it said, just tell them who I am. Just tell them who I am. Just tell them who I am. And what's interesting about that is that makes it very simple for me because then I just get to speak from my experience. I get to interview. I've been interviewing staff members the last few days, the last few weeks, and asking them about their experiences with the Holy Spirit. So I'm kind of bringing you some condensed versions of that. But again, my prayer being that you would experience the spirit of the living God yourselves. So in this, we will also be covering and giving a clear understanding of each of the gifts separately. You will get a definition and a practical usage of these gifts. Um, Another thing that we want to do is we want to free you from fear. 
I know when I first started operating, I kind of operated under a little bit of fear, and we want to break that off of all of us, and we want to be able to be freed to walk in faith instead of fear. Um, That would be fear of misuse, fear of failure, fear of a lack of understanding, because it's interesting. It's not about what we know about the, the spiritual gifts. It's about who we know. And again, now we get back into knowing who the Holy Spirit is. So if what, if, I don't want to say all you got, but if, if what you got from this entire series was an experience with God, a tangible experience with God, that, I mean, mic drop, leave it, you're, you're good. It's the kind of thing that I'm praying for for you. So let's dive right in. The purpose of the gifts Again, we're demystifying this a little bit, making it very simple. Number one, to personally grow intimately closer to the Lord. So the spiritual gifts help me grow closer to the Lord. Now, that's not a selfish thing, but that's about God caring about me, his love on me, his love on you. The spiritual gifts help you grow closer to the Lord. Number two, to help others. Grow intimately closer to the Lord. That makes it really simple, right? We could be done. Close it up. We're good. So if you are growing intimately closer with the Lord, and then out of the overflow of your life, you are then able to dispense what God wants to do on behalf of others, and then you just make yourself available. You're willing and available, as opposed to willing and able. Being willing and available is actually where we want to find ourselves. That's the sweet spot. So the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, hence the name gift. They're given by the Holy Spirit, but they are abilities empowered by the Holy Spirit to hear God's voice and to know his will for your life. I get that question a lot. How do I know God's will for my life? How do I know? The spiritual gifts help us to understand. They help us to comprehend God's word. They help us to understand. See, if if you were to flip open your Bible, you're not going to find my name in there. So there's no written scripture that says, Amelie, you're going to marry Dan, and you're going to do this, and this is your calling. That's not in the the written word. But the spiritual gifts, based on the, the foundation of the word, help me to hear his voice and know his character, and then know what he's speaking over me for my life. Same is true for all of you. So the whole purpose of our existence, or the meaning of life, you want me to put the, I've heard it called bunny ears, the air quotes, the meaning of life is to know God and to be known by him. We were created to be in relationship with God and experience his love. He created creation as an expression of his love. And we are meant to discover God's unique design for us as individuals. So to know who God is and then to know who he created us to be becomes a very powerful punch in the spiritual realm. God created Adam and he gave him purpose. He gave him meaningful work. He gave him creativity, companionship. And I love, let's back up to creativity. I love creativity because a lot of times, well, A lot of times when you hear creativity, you think artist, you think musician, you think kind of in that realm. But I have seen many, many business owners who who have this gift of creativity, God's creativity on them, and they wouldn't call themselves an artist at all or a musician. 
So those of you who don't feel very artisty out there, be freed in that because God created you with dominion and he created you to be creative. And so yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit, he can speak then creative problem-solving skills. You encounter a problem and God speaks into that and all of a sudden you're going, I never would have thought of that. But God gives you that word for your business or for your relationships, whatever you want to put it into. It doesn't mean an artist. Because if you see my paintings, they're, I wish I could say they were awesome. They're not. (laughs) I'm working on them. So because of this, because of God creating us in his image with creativity, all of our life is an outgrowth of this foundational knowledge. This is why I'm focusing so much attention on this right now in this first week, in this introduction. So the whole purpose of life is to grow closer to to God, to the Lord. It is one of the main reasons that spiritual warfare exists because the enemy hates God. He wanted his position and he hates what God loves. So he's going to, he's hell bent on destruction of what is God's. So he comes to steal, kill and destroy John 10, 10. So having information about spiritual warfare and about spiritual gifts, they help us as believers in Christ They help build us up. See, God doesn't leave us hanging, and he's like, okay, you're going to build the body, but tough luck. Somebody else is going to have to pour into you. The spiritual gifts, God speaks into us. I would say the majority of prophetic words or words of knowledge that I get are actually for me. And so God's speaking into my identity, into my destiny, or my greatest ministry on this planet is to my three closest family members, to my husband and to my two daughters. And then after that, I get to minister to other people. But it's so cool to be able to see the spiritual gifts at work for me and for my family. And the same thing for you. When you get a word of knowledge for your spouse, it's very, very powerful. You're using the power of life and death in the tongue over your own spouse. You're speaking life into your spouse or your your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. So... God uses the spiritual gifts in us to build us. And then the outgrowth is to help build other people. It should be that abundant overflow. I can tell you, I've worked from scraping from the bottom of the bucket, and it's exhausting when I'm always pouring out on other people. So I have to be responsible for going and filling up with the Holy Spirit. You guys aren't responsible for my infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's on me. I'm the only one who's responsible for me filling up. I have to go to the word. I have to go to God in prayer. I'm responsible for me. And so that's one of the things that we're going to teach through this is you are responsible for you. So as we are assisting others in their walk with God, we are then working together to build the body of Christ and transform our world by answering the call to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
So we are to be disciples and disciple makers. This is another, if you go back to the, the first two things, we're to build ourselves and help build other people. To be a disciple means to be a student of somebody else. We're disciples of Christ. So if I'm a disciple, I'm following Christ. And then I'm also being a disciple maker. I'm helping others follow Christ. And then disciple, disciples of that become disciple makers. Now you see the principle of multiplication, how the body of Christ continues to grow. So if I'm focused on following Christ and then saying, all right, let's go, let's go. Disciple maker turns everyone else into disciples and disciple makers. And the principle of multiplication begins to work. So we see the spiritual gifts and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to make disciples with timely and accurate words of knowledge, words of wisdom or prophecy, and those speak the love of God potentially to an unbelieving person. Or other times, if you've ever had a brother or sister in Christ who's had maybe a crisis of faith or some doubt, and you speak a razor-accurate word into their life, and all of a sudden they're going, I didn't see it that way. Spirit of lies is dismantled, and all of a sudden they're seeing with truth. It is incredibly powerful. And all you did was just go, oh, here's a little, oh, I can't, I can't take credit for that. I wasn't, I'm not that smart. I'm not that cool. God loves you enough to rescue you from that season that you're in or from that thought pattern or from potentially a demonic spirit. See how the spiritual gifts work to help build and express God's love to his church, to his people. Oh, our God is such a loving God. Faith, healing, and miracles demonstrate the tangible touch of love from God. I'm not going to go too much into this, but I'm super excited. Today, I received a miraculous healing, um, and I, I literally ran around the church, pretty much yelling in people's faces. If any, see, you got the people nodding. They're like, yep, I was there. I, I had a, um, an impingement in my neck, couldn't turn, couldn't move, excruciating pain, brought me to tears, I mean, it was pretty bad. And I'd had it for about four days. I think it started on Friday. Um, and I've had this for several years to the point where I was kind of giving up on God a little bit. And I had asked several people to pray for me. I was sitting on this stage. We actually were recording a prayer session, so I caught it on, on audio. And um, I had somebody lay hands on me. And I heard God tell me, he said, get up. And do what you couldn't do before. And I started moving my neck around. And if anybody had seen me on Sunday, I was moving like this. Like, I, I, I couldn't turn. I jumped up, started moving, and I'm, I'm not going to yell. But I literally said, I'm not kidding! I'm serious! Look, look, I'm not kidding! I was so excited. I ran to the youth department. I ran to my husband. I ran downstairs. Because I had felt like I got to the end of my rope, and yet God came through for me. This, help, help me, God, with my unbelief. So his touch, tangible touch of love from a God who loves us today. That happened to me today. I said I wasn't going to go into it, and then I did. There you go. <laughs> that was for somebody. A discernment of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues demonstrates the spiritual involvement of God who is spirit, so you have the unseen realm, and he helps in this manner to tear our attention away from this. This, dis this is very distracting. Our, our physical body, what we see. So God is tearing our attention away 
so that we can experience the unseen spiritual world. Those are just a little taste, a little dose of what we're going to get into over the next few weeks. So God cares more about your character and personal growth, your inner life, than any measure of our gift. So it's not about how big your gift is. It's not about what you are doing. This is about God caring so intimately about what's in here that he would speak to you on a regular basis. I went through a, a, we call it a dark night of the soul. Um, It was a rough season. You could call it a wilderness um, or a dry season. It was almost two years long. And I remember when when I felt like I had worn my husband's ear out talking about the same old thing over and over again, it was the Holy Spirit who comforted me at night when I cried into my pillow. And I didn't, I didn't want to cry to my husband again. It's the Holy Spirit who comes near when you're in a room full of people but feeling so very lonely. It's the Holy Spirit who comforts your heart. That's one of his names, is the comforter. So Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? So we're going to bring it full circle here. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Now we're back to the first two points. To grow personally with the Lord and then help others grow. Very simple. Right there. In Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. So our calibration is love. Not the way that the world defines it, as a feeling or a passing appetite or even a lust of the flesh. But as God defines it in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He moved first. He initiated first. God is love. And then we respond to him. Love is an action. It's a choice. And it's also a commitment. It's not tossed by the whims of our desires. It is self-sacrificing. One thing that I love, and we're going to dive into um, in depth, if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, where we find the list of the nine gifts of the Spirit, I'm not going into the 24 that people talk about. We're going to be covering those in 1 Corinthians 12. Then you go into 1 Corinthians 14. Yes, I did just hop a chapter. And it talks about orderly worship and the use of the gifts in, in the church in a corporate setting. It sandwiches, does anybody know what 1 Corinthians 13 is? The love chapter, right? We, we call it that. The ministry of love is the spiritual gifts and the orderly call to worship is sandwiching the love chapter. They shouldn't be pulled apart. If you read all the way through those three, you see the ministry of God's love. So if I do all this, if I have this gift, if I do this and I'm, I'm, I'm on it, I'm preaching, I'm in my preaching stance, I... I have nothing if I have not love. God is love. The whole purpose is because God first loved us. God moved first in our lives. It's about us experiencing a powerful presence of a very living God. 
So who is the Holy Spirit? I love this quote from Benny Hinn in his book, Welcome Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is much more than a force or a power. Transforming our thinking from the Holy Spirit being a thing or a force to being a person, having personal attributes, is the first step in walking in an intimate way with the Spirit of God. When you stop thinking about the Holy Spirit and start to know him, you will learn how to surrender to him. That's a big word right there, surrendering to his love, his will, and his direction. There it is again. We want to know what his will is for our lives. We surrender to him that he would speak. Um, in, this, in this recording, I had one of the people praying over me ask me, she said, have you ever asked God what part of the body you are? And I chuckled and I said, no. And then I immediately said, God, what part of the body am I? I got an answer probably within about five seconds. He told me right away, and I, we laughed together because it was some, she got a word on it, and she was able to tell me what it was, and it, I confirmed what it was. I'm trying to kind of leave it a little vague for you. <laughs> you like that? Um, but the point was, was God, God loves us so much that he would speak on our behalf to tear down walls, and he used a friend of mine, two friends of mine today, to be able to minister to me. I was in a hurting, I was hurting for certain, as my dad would say, and that ministered in such a way that God became very real and very loving to me. Opened my eyes very wide today. So now instead of thinking about how you can capture the power of God, we can be set up to be led by him, wooed by the subtle impressions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't something that we capture. He desires to be intimately known. Again, remember, he moved first. Because he so loved us, he moved first. So really, our, our James 4, 8, drawing near to God and he will draw near to you, is actually in response to him first. He moved first, then we move, then he moves again. It's kind of like a dance. We are falling in step. Somebody's got to lead, right? And I hope it's him. And so if I'm being led, I'm not going to dance ballroom up here. I could try. I could like, <laughs> no, and if I spin, I will just fall off the, the stage. But... It's falling in step with God who is leading us through this life. So respect and honor the Holy Spirit. This is really important because a lot of times we do want to capture and we want to we focus on the gifts and we want to operate in them. But really it is more about knowing the Spirit of God, surrendering ourselves to him to be led by him. I love what Benny Hinn says in the same book, Welcome Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is a power, you will try to get a hold of it. But if the Holy Spirit has divine attributes of a person, or is it personhood, you will want him to get a hold of you. If the Holy Spirit is a power, then you will want it to accomplish your whims and soulish desires or selfish ambitions. But if the Holy Spirit is a person, you will desire to surrender to his desires out of awe and wonder at his nature. If the Holy Spirit is a power, then you will be full of pride when you have it and feel superior to others who do not. But if the Holy Spirit is a person, you will be humbled that the divine Spirit of God desires to dwell in you, speak to you, and lead you. The spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. And the Father sent the Holy Spirit to us in John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, this is Jesus talking. 
it is to your advantage, or some other translations say, it is better for you that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus attributes great value to the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, our advocate, and we should too. He says that it's to our benefit that the Holy Spirit would come and help us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. Those are not just words. That is truth. That is a promise to us. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. It's kind of like, I don't see an outlet here, but if there's an outlet on the wall. And if I have a power tool, all you guys will appreciate this, I could probably use it somehow. I might, like, let's use a rotary saw. But if I plug it in to the wall and it is empowered, that thing is going to be incredibly more useful. So we have it in us. We have all that potential in us. But are we plugged in to the one who is our source of power, who is the one who's going to empower us? So what are the ways that the Holy Spirit speaks? If he's dwelling in us, how is he going to speak to us? This one's funny. Any way that he chooses. Right? Pretty ambiguous for you, right? It's both the funny and it's also a serious answer. If we remember that God is in control, then we're going to surrender to him as opposed to dictating what he should do in our lives. Number two, we don't dictate how God speaks by how he's spoken in the past, how he has spoken to others, or how we want him to speak. So, again, this is more about God. How do you, what do you want to do? How do you want to speak to me? I'm open. I surrender to you whatever way that you want to do it. He can choose to speak in whichever way he desires because a lot of times we've, I've seen with people, and this is not always the case. I'm not putting an always statement or clause in here. A lot of times he'll train us in one method or one way just to train us and develop us, get us comfortable so that we know how he's speaking to us. John 10 speaks about the, the voice of the good shepherd, that we become familiar with his voice. And so he'll train us in a certain way, simply for training, so that we know and recognize that we are hearing from the Holy Spirit. It helps your faith grow. Anytime you get a word or you get a vision or a dream, doesn't matter how he speaks to you, and then you deliver it, your faith grows because you go, ah, I got to be a part of that. I was kind of this little intermediary. I was this little middleman. But your faith grows. And then when he asks you to do something a little bit bigger, you're going, okay, I'll, I'll take one more step. Oh, oh, okay. Whoa, check this out. I'm not going to go anymore. But he's training us so that we will learn how he speaks. Also, we'll become quicker to respond in obedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And so if you're, if you're kind of, ah, oh, I'm not sure, oh, I'm not sure, it's still part of the training ground, but you get quicker. You get much quicker at responding because you're trusting that he is speaking to you and saying, go do this. You also, this trains you in trusting God, but also it trains you in trusting yourself. That might sound weird. Like, oh, I shouldn't have to trust in myself. Well, you're the one putting yourself out there. So you have to trust that you're hearing from God and it is you that is hearing from God. God speaks consistently 
for us to learn his method of communication and develop a rapid response system, the RRS. I made that up right there. Don't, that's not a thing. <laughs> a rapid response system to him. And then he might switch, met- switch methods on us because he wants us to be fully dependent on what he's doing. I had a season where I, was, I had dream after dream after dream after dream, and God was talking to me, and I was writing these dreams, and I was kind of getting exhausted writing the dreams down. And then he, it's not that he turned them off, but he started speaking in a different way. And I was going, wait, where'd the dreams go? I was liking the dreams. He, tur- he switched methods on me. I don't want to say he turned it off, but he can speak any way that he wants. I don't get to dictate that. I can ask, but he's the one that speaks. So the big answer is that God can speak any way that he desires. But in all seriousness, I'm going to list out some for you. He speaks through scripture. He speaks through his still small voice. Or around here, we kind of use the vernacular impressions. Oh, I got an impression. Oh, I feel compelled. Or I have this still small voice. He speaks through visions. Dreams. Speaks through angels. Angels translated as messenger. He speaks audibly. I don't know anybody he has spoken to audibly, but it is biblical. And I have heard of people hearing him speak audibly. I just don't know them personally. He can speak through another person. Which likely they then are hearing things through scripture or through an impression or through a dream or a vision. He speaks to us through miraculous events. In scripture, that would be Balaam's donkey. That's a miraculous event. A donkey can't talk. Or the burning bush, Moses and the burning bush. So how do we receive from him? In the same way he speaks. We need to be open to scripture. We need to be in the word of God. We need to be open for the still, small voice. A lot of times I think we're waiting for the, the thunder and the lightning and God to just come upon us and all of a sudden we have this crazy mountaintop experience. But in reality, God speaks more in the still, small voice. Well, what's another word for still, small voice? A whisper. How do you hear a whisper? You got to come close. And so God draws us in with the still, small voice that we would tuck in close to him. It's all about intimacy with him. It's not always about us being tools in his hand. It's about intimacy with a God who loves us. So picture yourself like a satellite dish. We have to be tuned into the right frequency. And the way we begin that is through his written word. Continually be in the written word. It's our compass. So there is a paradigm shift that I want to share with you. And I'm going to try and breeze through this quickly. So the, the, the way that some people experience God is through a meal mentality. And they have this idea... experiencing God at Sunday brunch or at church on a Sunday morning. But that's where someone else has set the table. So in this paradigm, 
seven days before we're really experiencing God again, and we're waiting for a worship service. But if you were to talk to a nutritionist or any bodybuilder out there, they'd go, no, you need to eat, you know, six meals a day. So you would go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. So on every day. And what happens is a lot of times, and we can all be very guilty of this, I will throw myself under the bus and tell you I'm, I'm right there with you. Or I'll be the first one in line, really. But you go, you have this experience at church on Sunday, and you feel the, the presence of God in worship, and, or he speaks to you, or somebody prays over you, and it's just, oh, it's awesome. And it kind of lingers for a couple days. And you might grab your, your quiet time that morning, and then Tuesday rolls around, and you're like, oh, yeah, I got another quiet time in. And then life gets busy, right? And we go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday rolls around, and we're like, oh, darn it. I'm going to grab a snack down here. I'm going to read one scripture or whatever. And we feel guilty and we're trying to backlog it and, and we're trying to experience God again, but we're running on fumes. And so what happens is we then, we're waiting for Sunday again and you get this kind of bad cycle or whatever. But that's not the experience God mentality. Now I'm going to make a really rough shift for you. Ready? So the experience that we should go to Is like breathing. So the word for spirit is the pneuma. And I may not spell this one right. Pneuma. It's one of those. Pneuma in scripture is translated as spirit, but it's also translated as breath. The breath of God. When God breathed into Adam, he breathed in the pneuma. He breathed in the breath. So, can anybody go very long without breathing. So our paradigm shift for experiencing God should be one with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, that we are experiencing God like breathing. Now, we're not throwing this one out because this paradigm is now focused on the word. So you have the word, which is also bread, or it can be called the meat. Breathing is spirit. So you've got this paradigm shift. Now now we need both. This isn't an either or. You are consuming the word on a regular basis with a regular diet and we are experiencing the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. Filling up on him. Talking to him throughout the day. All the time. So, paradigm shift. I know that was pretty, a pretty radical shift for you. But thank you, for, thank you for hanging in there. <laughs> All right. Now, it's interesting because I, I use this quote on myself all the time. Life gets busy. And if I'm not making the time, it tends to get crowded out. So we are not going to find the time. We have to make the time. We have to carve it out of our schedule for reading the word for praying, for talking to the Holy Spirit. And, and some people go, well, you just don't understand. I'm, I'm, I'm busy, whatever. My schedule's funny. My schedule's weird. Okay, well, we can continue going. And again, I will throw myself under the bus. I get so busy doing ministry work, and I will start running on empty because I'm not filling up this way. 
So use me as the bad example. Don't run on empty. You've got to carve this out of your life. Carve this time. Make the time. So I'll, I'll again, line up first and go, okay, here we go. We're going to do this for the word and for the spirit. God created us to be in relationship with him. He created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden with purpose and to have a purpose. Let's take a look in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 16. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in the words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that have come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to mere human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So, having the Holy Spirit deposited into us, it's kind of like, just let him out. We've received him, and now we need to be baptized in him. Now we need to be saturated. Now we need to be immersed. The word baptize means to dip or to immerse. So when we are baptized in the spirit, we are immersed in the spirit. Some of the best advice I ever received was inadvertently, again, through welcome Holy Spirit. And he asked this question, have you ever spoken directly to the Holy Spirit? And I thought about it. I said, well, I know I've addressed the Father. I know I've addressed Jesus because we're told to pray in his name. No, my answer was no. So I tried it. Holy Spirit, uh, I kind of feel silly, but I pray that you would come into my life. I don't remember what I prayed. And it wasn't about 10 or 15 minutes. I was working here at the church. I was by myself. I got up and I went to the copy machine. I was walking down the hallway and... For lack of a better term, I got slain in the spirit right there in the hallway. I was by myself, bawling like a baby for, for probably 10 or 15 minutes. He didn't say anything to me. I just experienced the Holy Spirit. And it's kind of like that sneeze reaction. You're like, no, that happened. I, that happened. That was my first being slain in the spirit, being laid out, whatever you want to call it, being baptized in the spirit. And I woke up, or I didn't wake up. I wasn't asleep. <laughs> I got up. Totally different. Totally ready for him to, okay, Holy Spirit, now I'm yours. I'm yours. Do whatever you want. And I won't even tell you how I want that to happen. God, how do you want that to happen? So it is crucially important that we are focused on the person of the Holy Spirit, the giver of the gifts, as opposed to just, oh, let's define the gifts and let's talk about them. We can do that. But then we're going to miss the point. But knowing who the Holy Spirit is as a person, the personhood of God, from God's heart to our spirit. And the common denominator 
in people who have experienced the Holy Spirit is simply that they've opened themselves up to knowing him intimately. Giving him permission. I know this sounds weird. Giving him permission to speak to them any way he wants. It's really, okay, God, I'm laying down my agenda, but I have high expectations. Whatever you want to do, God. Only you can can initiate a private relationship with God. So opening up your heart. Really, as we're finishing, as I'm finishing up right now, I feel like God is extending an invitation. And on it, you open it up, and it says RSVP. Respond, see, vous play. Respond, please. And so as this invitation is being extended to you, only you can accept the invitation. So are we going to be a people who accept this invitation from God that he has extended? Last week, well, actually, I don't know if we read it in this service. Proverbs 9, I'm going to read it to you. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city, come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. As God is calling to us, are we going to answer him? And I want to leave you with one last thing. With Jacob at Bethel in Genesis 28. So meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled towards Haran. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am going with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, this is what I love, surprised by the Spirit. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. So Father God, I pray right now that you would make us aware of your presence. Experiencing you, God, is our hunger and our thirst and truly our desire I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would stir in the hearts of every person. Why don't you all stand? God, stir in our hearts. And may we be responders to you, God. Even right now, God, I pray it's not the same thing for every person. 
May we not look to the person next to us for how we're supposed to respond. And truly, God, the cry of our hearts saying, Lord, speak to me. Open yourself. As we open our hearts to you, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? May I be the responder. May I be the one that falls in step with you. You moved first. I fall in step with you. So God, as we commit this time to you, this worship time, may it now be the time where we press in. In new ways. Across the board, God, we've had people who have experienced you and people who are hungering for you but haven't yet or aren't sure. But God, we're a family in this room. And it doesn't matter where we've been. It's where we're going with you right now. So Lord... What do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? And we leave this this prayer open-ended as we enter into worship, God. You're the way maker, and we follow after you.